What's up, Mindset Money and More family? Listen, over the next 21 days, we're doing something very, very unique right here on the podcast. So if you're listening, listen a little harder. So over the next 21 days, we're gonna be following a 21-day financial fast. Now, I want you to know that even if you don't share the same beliefs, because this is built on biblical principle, you can still take so much from this fast, right? The the concept of fasting is the self-denial, the obedience, the discipline. And honestly, those are things that your average person struggles with, even outside of finances. So in the 21-day financial fast, we're, we're doing this as a group, as a community. There is also a Facebook community, and that link will be in the comments of every episode for you guys if you want to join us there to get a visual, to be on video with us, and really do this as a community, right? Money-making is a team sport. Getting better with money can be a team sport. And so... Over the next 21 days, we're going to go through some foundational things because your foundation has to be built the right way, like with anything else. And then we're going to get into some really practical things about budgeting, saving, credit cards, your credit, investing, budgeting. I mean, so many different things for you to really experience that increase in your financial life. And so, like I said, even if you have different beliefs, then the ones that are being shared just know that you can still take a lot of the practical things to level up so who is the financial fast for you guys honestly it can be for anyone it can be for the person right now listening who feels like man i have more month than money i need some help maybe you're the person that's like i need a budget and i need to stick to it because i know my spending habits are great maybe you're the person that's like i want to learn about investing and i don't know where to start Or maybe you're that person that's struggling to still get out of an overdraft fee cycle. And maybe you might be the person listening that's like, hey, I'm a pretty good money manager. I just want to take this to another level, right? I want to level up in my wealth building or whatever that looks like. But this can really be for anyone. So I'm super excited to share this with you guys. Make sure that you do this together. Share this podcast episode with someone so that they can listen on their way to work or in the car while they're waiting at the soccer game, wherever they may find themselves. Because when you are able to pass on information to someone else that can be life-changing, if they apply it, you have now been a catalyst for them to be able to change their life. So let's get started. Again, under every single episode, you will have the link to the Facebook community where we are doing this together on video every single day. And I cannot wait to hear your success story coming out of the financial fast. Let's go. All right, so let's dive in. Today is day 11. Oh my goodness. We are officially 11 days to go of the fast, including today. Can you believe it? Well, we're here. So what is day 11 all about? Day 11 is all about leave a legacy of good money sense, okay? So parents, I'm going to be talking to us a lot today, but this doesn't only apply to you if you're a parent. If there are children in your life around you, whether that's nieces, nephews, godchildren, what have you, um, this is a really powerful, powerful chapter. And the truth is, the amazing thing about it is even if you're not like a parent necessarily, you could be such a good role model for children that will enter into your life, whether that's nieces, nephews, 
or maybe you do aspire to have children in the future. So today's main point is train your child to be a good money manager. Remember, we're managing God's money and we're managing billion dollar last names. So the pledge is I will show my child by example what it means to be a good steward over money. And man, we're going to talk about some deep stuff today because a lot of us were not taught this stuff. But remember, we can't be this age now saying my mama didn't teach me. My granny didn't teach me. My teacher at school didn't show me. Right. We have to take accountability. So let's let's dive in. So she opens up day 11, really just talking about what the word says, which is train up a child in the way that they should go. And so that when they're old, they don't depart from that. Right. And that's spiritually. But it's also, oddly enough, families are lost when it comes to teaching their children about money and good money sense. And there's a lack of habits. And truth be told, as parents, we know that it's important to teach them, you know, um, don't do drugs or don't don't drink alcohol especially while you're underage, right? Don't take a random drug your friend gives you that looks like a Sour Patch candy. Like we know all those things, but there's not really a lot of people doing their best to teach them about money and being good money managers. And so she talks about, can you honestly, as a parent, say that you're doing your best to help your children fend off of consumerism and credit card purchasing? And the interesting thing is, um, Elizabeth says, girl, especially in Latin communities, yes. And, and honestly, it's not just us. It's a lot of black and brown communities. And the issue with this is I find it interesting that the two top things that black and brown communities and even um, other communities, but what they struggle with the most are two things, money and mental health. And oddly enough, those are the things that we never talk about growing up, right? They tell moms, suck it up. This is part of being a mom. No, this is a part of I don't have another choice because their dad ran off or whatever the, the scenario is. And so those two top things, mental health and money, are the things nobody wants to talk about. And it's what adults are walking around here aimlessly struggling with. And so... As a parent, you got to ask yourself, am I honestly doing my best to teach them about consumerism and to show them and train them up in a better way? And this is really important. Hey, Veli, I was up, queen. But we live in an era where it's it like so many parents don't know how to tell their kids no. And the truth is that if you don't teach them now, they're not going to be able to sustain themselves in young adulthood. That's why you see so many adults now that still don't know how to manage money. They don't know how to create budgets. No one ever taught them, right? Granted, we can't use that as an excuse. But the truth is, you are going to raise an adult that cannot sustain themselves when they are ready to be off on their own. And so Barbara Colorosso says the best time to start giving your children money is when they will no longer eat it. Basically, when they don't put it in their mouths, they can start putting it in their bank. And she goes on to say that her, she had a grandmother that told her once, it's my job to spoil my grandson. 
And let's be honest, how many times have we heard that? My mom says that about the kids. Like, oh, I'm their grandma. I'm supposed to spoil them. But when you really think about it, the definition of spoil is to damage seriously, to impair the disposition or character of by overindulgence or excessive praise. And I'll be real with you guys. After I read that, like this time during the fast, it was like, dang, I have to stop saying that like, oh, they're spoiled. Because when you look at the definition of spoil, words are very powerful, by the way. And so when you look at the definition of spoil, I'm like, I don't want to be speaking that over my kids, right? To cause damage, seriously, to impair the disposition of their character by overindulgence and excessive praise. And so it was really eye-opening for me to watch what, like, that's prophecy. And you got to watch what you speak over your kids, so I read that today and I was like, dang, we got to be more careful, right? We all fall short. Thank you that we serve a perfect God, but we all fall short. And the truth is that I was just kind of like, man, that's crazy. And let me know, did I freeze you guys? Can you hear and see me? Hey, Nancy, let me know because I think my service might be going in and out. Let me know. If it is, I can hop off of this and get on through my phone, maybe. But it looked like I froze for a minute, so let me know. What's up, girl? We need to catch up. I feel like we haven't talked in way too long. Okay. Okay, I'm good. All right. Somebody said you're good. So let's roll with it. So, hey, 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 Alejandra, what's up, sis? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited you guys are on. I've been pumped up all day because we just launched our social media academy. That's going to help pe make people just make money online without having to build teams, without having to sell like specific products. Ugh, it's going to be beautiful. But anyways, so, um, so we got to be really careful what we're speaking over our kids. Okay. So she says, don't skip today's lesson, even if you don't have kids. Because the thing is, is there a child in your life that could help, that you could help them become a better money manager, right? Is there a child in your life that maybe just needs your assistance, your experience now that you've grown, now that you're a better money manager, now that you are doing all of these amazing things that you can pass on to them? Because you guys, it takes a village. Remember, we talked about this in community shopping. It takes a village to raise kids too, okay? Whether or not they're directly yours, you play a role in their life. And so she says, perhaps when you saw the chapter title, you thought, shoo, I'm just, I just need to leave money to my kids. But the truth is, that's not the focus for today's message. We all desire to leave money for someone, right? But that's not the real message. There's something more important that you can pass on to them. And it's actually the legacy of good money sense. Because what use is it? Let me ask you this. It's just like when people hit the lottery. Do you realize how they lose it all? They don't have good money sense. So what good is it for your focus to be on, hey, let me leave my kids money. Let me leave my family money. And none of them have good enough money sense to know what to do with the money that you leave them. What was all the hard work for? What was all the strategy for? What was all the season of sacrifice for? And so this is more about leaving a legacy of good money sense. And parents, you can say all the right things about money management, but 
you reproduce who you are and what you live. So you can say whatever you want. Oh, I'm good at this. I do this. I do this. But if you, if you're really not doing those things, you're just going to reproduce who you are, how you live. And if you want to raise a money smart kid, Michelle says, you have to live the life you want them to emulate. So if you're reckless with money, children are not going to do as we say, they do as we do. Even if we tell them, do as I say, they're going to do as you do. That's just like with business, right? When you're building a team, your team doesn't do what you tell them. They're going to do what you do. So if you show up with an attitude that sucks and low energy, they're going to show up with an attitude that sucks and low energy. If you're building a business and you tell them, say this and this to five people, but you don't say it to five people, they're not going to do it. And so you have to be mindful that they're going to emulate. They're not going to just do what you say. And so let's read the first testimony. It says, about two years ago, my mother confronted me about a few things, about a few changes that she thought we should make in our lifestyle. She told me that she wanted to start a budget and a savings account and really evaluate the way we spend our money. At first, I thought it was a great idea because I knew that it was important to my mother and I honestly thought it would not affect me. I just thought it meant no more excessive things and luxuries and I would be okay with that. That was until I actually found out what luxuries were. Check this out. Then she goes on to say, my mother was serious. Things she considered luxuries slowly disappeared. No more cable or eating out every night. Y'all, can we relate on the financial fast? Um, not that it was terrible, but it just wasn't what I was used to. I got bored with just 15 channels on the television. My mother showed me the budget. And for the first time, I really realized that money didn't grow on trees. I, we'll talk about this in a second. She showed me that we didn't have hundreds of dollars to spend on frivolous, unimportant things. But she also showed me the 600 in savings we had. And I could tell this was a big step for her and for, her, for us. It was important that she shared the budget with me so I could really understand why we were making the changes we were and that it was for the better. I also realized that the real world wasn't what I thought. You have to be responsible and careful with your money and rent is not a small expense. Since we've had a budget, I have tried to spend my money better and I am sure that I will have a budget when I get older. Now I don't just ask for random things when we're in the store. I know it's important to be smart with your money and that sometimes you have to sacrifice to be better off in the long run. Love Jasmine, who is 15, you guys, 15. So there's a couple of things in there. And I will say that I don't wholeheartedly agree. And this is just my opinion. Okay. Um, no worries, sis. You're good. You got the replay if you want to catch the little bit, but we're not that far in. So there's a couple of things in there that I personally just don't agree with the, the thought process behind how it was being pushed. But the overall message is the important thing, right? Become a good money manager. Teach your children young to be mindful of spending because consumerism is an epidemic in our country. But I don't agree with the mindset of instilling in them money doesn't grow on trees because I think it fosters a mindset of scarcity. And so maybe the way we approach them about it is a little different right? You don't have to say, well, money doesn't grow on trees or teach them that. But what you can say is we do this to be smart in our seasons of plenty so that we have in seasons that, that may be a famine, right? Of, of less than what we're used to. But I don't 
want to, at least for me, instill in my kids, money doesn't grow on trees because that's, it has a negative connotation when it comes to money. So you want them to be smart, but you also want to make sure that you foster abundance in the same sense, right? Not abundance in consumerism, but abundance in understanding if I'm doing the right things, if I'm a good money manager, most of the time, money is going to come to me. Money is going to be managed properly. And so that's just the one thing that I would say, just be careful with the how you approach it because you don't want to foster scarcity or fear, instead foster abundance and preparedness. Does that make sense? Drop a 777 if you're like, okay, that makes sense. Because you don't want to foster scarcity. You don't want them to think, oh, we never have enough. That's why we got to save. Because it puts a negative connotation behind the importance of saving. As opposed to this is about preparedness. This is about you being ready when emergencies come your way. So hopefully that makes sense. I just wanted to clarify that because I was just like, yeah, I don't want to foster a mindset of fear or scarcity, but I do want to foster good management. So um, hopefully that makes sense. So let's move on. So then we talk about your presence. And I have this thing that I say around the holidays that I say it's not about the presence, like the physical gift, right? But it's about the presence, right? And that's what she's talking about in this next section. And so she talks about how she recalls when her son was younger and he was having a birthday party. Michelle's asking him like, hey, you know, what do you want? And he starts listing people off like my uncle, my aunt, my um, cousin, my mommy, my daddy, my pop pop. Right. So he's naming off everyone. And she's like, I don't really understand what he means. So let me ask again. And then he says, Oh, yeah. And cake and hats and plates. And that's it. And then she had like an epiphany and she was just like, oh, what I didn't realize is that all he wanted was something that money couldn't buy. And that was his family coming together. And I know in our family, that's a big deal. Like we could do the most simple thing, like go to a bowling alley, but it's the gathering. That's the big deal for us. So she she just says, you know, like he wants most children want the love, attention, acceptance, friends, family, the gathering. And when you're giving them everything, every single thing that they're asking for. When do you know when it's time to say no? Right. So she says we might be spoiling our children's chances of growing into responsible adults. And, you know, I, I've firsthandedly wit witnessed this just in family. I won't say too much, but you look and you're like, man, you're in your 30s and you can do that for yourself. Right. But they've never had to. No one forced them to. And so it's almost like you ruin their chance of responsibility if you give them way too much. And I'm not saying, again, do not foster like scarcity and fear, but understand that you still have to instill value and principle in children. And they're, they're looking to you for guidance. And so in Luke 640, it says, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So think about that. In other words, 
if you teach and you actually live out a better financial life, you'll increase the likelihood of your children being good money managers. So let me explain to you what I mean by you don't have to foster fear and scarcity. Let's say that you become the good money manager. You teach them a better financial life. You teach them assets over liabilities. You teach them leverage. You teach them, you know, um, people get people get paid well to be creative and to to think, to give beautiful ideas and bring them to life, right? You can teach them all these things, but you got to make sure that that you're living it, right? Because then that increases the likelihood of them being good money managers. Because if they see, okay, you know, mom or dad or both, they've taught me assets over liabilities. Okay, so a car is a liability. My car is running good. And if I look at mom and dad's life, they didn't have like super fancy cars or maybe they do. But I also know that mom and dad said that these houses they rent out to people pay for their their luxury car, right? So they taught their child leverage. They taught them assets over liabilities. Oh, you know what? Mom and dad do have really fancy cars, but they said that their businesses own the cars, Okay, so remember that time when mom was breaking down the lesson about why you put everything under a business. Do you guys see where I'm going with this? That it doesn't mean, and give me some hearts and likes if that makes sense. It doesn't mean you got to instill fear and scarcity in them. But if you're teaching them better financial life and you're actually living the better financial life, still being mindful, still watching them do your budget or allocation on where all the money goes and how credit works, and you actually do it, they're going to emulate, right? So God expects us to work, pay our bills, take financial responsibility for ourselves and our families. And so this doesn't mean that we need to give our children every single desire that they have. Or everything that we didn't have as children. So let's address this one because it's a really big problem for a lot of people that didn't have a lot. And this comes from scarcity, the feeling of not enough. So sometimes we try to overcompensate because we feel like, well, I didn't grow up with a lot or I didn't have this and I want my kids to everything, have everything I didn't have. And truth be told, that's not the best mindset to have because they have to learn how to have some work ethic. It doesn't mean you have to show them that working five jobs is the way, but it also doesn't mean you have to give them everything just because it's a desire. They're kids, honestly. And so a lot of the desires of their heart, they're just seeing other people. They're seeing it on YouTube. They're seeing it on TV. And so you got to be careful with what you provide acceptance and value around. If you teach them the value material things, that's what they'll value. If you teach them the value other people's character and integrity and telling the truth and being a great person and making it your business to help someone smile. If you put value around those things, those are the things they're going to start to value. And so just be mindful. So let's read through this next testimony from Jermaine. She says, because of your guidance, tough love and godly principles, I am out of debt except for my mortgage and my husband and I are working to pay that off. Hallelujah. My children's college funds have grown as have my emergency fund and savings fund. I spend according to my budget, which I look at daily. The stress and worry of money no longer consumes me. Something that was a daily worry is now a thing of the past. How many of us want to live our lives without that that worry, without that 
uh, daily, man, I don't know. If something comes up, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take care of it or it does come up and then you're panicking, right? We don't want that. We're You're fighting for financial peace. So living large goes right along with this. Are you training your kids to live on? And this, again, I, I have mixed opinion just because we're also not taught to think larger than what they want to program us to. But I think the main point in here is, are you making sure that you set some good expectations for them? Are you making sure that they learn about things like credit card struggle and mortgages and how to be strategic and how to not buy your first house that you really can't afford, but instead how to be smart with your debt and things like that. So I don't want to spend too much time on this because, again, I also don't believe that you should raise them in scarcity or fear. And as a parent, you're ultimately going to do what you think is the best thing. But sometimes children, if you don't teach them different, they have this misconception because of their privilege that they're going to automatically make over six figures because they want to go to school for gaming or whatever the case is. And so you got to establish some kind of expectation about what the world is really like, but then it's your job to teach them what you want them to know. And that requires you learning. So how many of us on here that our parents or are around children can say, I'm willing to do the hard work now? Because if you do, you can teach them different. You can teach them that, hey, the only reason we think 100000 a year is normal is because people aren't put around people that make that every month. The reason you know, people think 50,000 is normal every year is because they've never met anyone or have spent time with anyone that does that every month. And so I'm going to give my own opinion in this section. And it's just a couple of things, set some expectations, but also be willing to do the hard work now so that you can be the teacher and the living example for them. Does that make sense? But she does go on to talk about how most people um, think that they're going to be making between uh, over six figures, and that's really only not even 14% of the population making a dollars to $200,000 a year. Most households in the United States make less than $50,000 a year. And again, if you want your children to know different, you've got to do the hard work now. And so she just goes into saying, you know, it's fine that that teenagers, your teenager hopes to earn high income, but just in case things don't go the, the same exact way they hope for them to go, make sure that they still learn to be good money managers. You have to make sure of that. Oh, sorry. I think I muted myself on accident. So just because you do want to instill bigger, bigger dreams and values in them. It still doesn't mean that you don't teach them management of the money. Cause it doesn't matter if they go out into the world and make 50,000 or 150,000. If they don't know how to manage 50,000, they won't manage 150,000. And so just make sure you teach them how to pay bills, how to budget, how to understand how credit works, how interest and fees work. Right. And so 
because you got to realize what the world is going to teach your child, just like the world taught you, is all about spending. And how many of us can attest that that didn't work out too great? Drop a 777 if you feel me, if you understand what I'm saying about we got to teach them different, even if we instill, go make bigger money and bigger dreams, but you got to learn how to manage. Because if you can manage the little, you can manage a lot. To whom much is given, much is required. Does that make sense? Drop a 777. All right, I'll see those sevens. Let's go. So let's move on. So the world is going to teach us how to spend. Can we agree? And so if we know that, that means that most people are taught to think that using credit is just not a big deal. So she says, man, teenagers are more likely to have a cell phone than a savings account. So I want you to ask yourself right now, does my kid have a super expensive phone and no savings account? And it might not sound like a big deal, but think about it. Most phones are on installment plans right now. So if that phone costs, let's say, $20 a month on an installment, right? And someone who has a child that has that phone is paying for the phone and they don't have a savings account, that means that it doesn't seem like a big deal. But if they were putting that $20 a month into a savings account, they would have at least 240 bucks in a year. And so hopefully if it applies to you, there's some conviction in that. Children are going to practice what they experience at the end of the day. So back to not instilling scarcity and fear into them, but let me give you a good example. With, with okay, we know children are going to practice what they experience. So I'm not saying instill fear and scarcity into your children, but think about the values and the, the, the experience that you teach them around where, where there should be value. So let me give you an example. You don't have to install scarcity and fear into your children, but maybe instead of teaching them that there's value around things, because there's always going to be more things. Maybe you teach them how to be a good money manager so that they put value behind experiences, right? So that they could see, hmm, would I prefer to spend $2,000 on a new upgrade of a phone if I just got a phone eight months ago? Or would I much rather take $1,400 or $2,000 and go on this experience to Thailand, so does that make sense where you don't have to instill fear in them because you want you want to foster an abundant money mindset, but you do want to teach them by you living it out. Where's the value? There's always going to be more stuff. There's always going to be a house that's bigger. There's always going to be someone taller and prettier and skinnier and whatever. But if you teach them where the value should be and you live that out yourself. They're going to they're going to practice what you provided as experience. I think about my household growing up because I grew up in the Bronx, New York. I always had new Jordans on. And then I think about how we acted when we got to adulthood and we emulated a lot of what we experienced. Your children are going to do the same. And so they have a better chance when you spend time 
teaching them how money works, how to handle it, how to leverage, right? Help them understand compound interest, the good and the bad. Because credit card companies are taking advantage of so many people because of how much interest people are paying compounded over time. But then what if you also learned a skill so that you could teach them the other side of that compound interest in an investment? Right? Leverage. So they're going to be better off when you teach them the right things. Teach them how to make a budget, not out of scarcity, but to understand that successful people know where their money is. So maybe you teach them budgeting from that perspective. Don't teach them budgeting like, oh, we don't have enough. We got to make sure that we have money to live. No, you don't teach them budgeting like that. But you teach them from an empowerment standpoint. Listen, billion dollar companies know where their money is. Do you know where your money is? We're going to start that today. You're going to start learning today. And so that's going to be really important. Now let's talk about college, y'all. I was so convicted on this one because I went to college. I went to really expensive schools. And there's nothing wrong with higher education. Hear me clearly. Don't misinterpret the message. But what Michelle says is one thing that she stresses in her household is a debt-free college education. Who went to college in here? Let me know in the comments who went to college. So um, while we get the answers for who went to college, um, Alejandra, I'll give you my take on should we start an allowance? I feel like, and I heard, I heard someone else say this. I want to say it could have been Wanda Webb or someone else. If you went to college, give me a ballpark number. If you do have student loans, what that is, if you're comfortable sharing, of course. So Alejandra, let's talk about this real quick, this allowance situation. So obviously to each their own, you guys are going to establish where there's value in your home, all the things. But my take after hearing a different perspective was, I don't want to pay my children for chores. And the, the mindset behind that is it like a reward system, right? If you reward them for going to and I know it was a successful speaker who said this, and I'm trying to think of who it was, forgive me, because I can't remember. But if you're rewarding them, let's say for taking out the trash, that gives them the impression that there's value in being a trash man. And this is not to devalue any career. Please don't misinterpret this, but just hear the thought process. And this made me think different. Um, if I pay you money to wash dishes, then you're going to associate money to washing dishes. Um, if I pay you to vacuum, you're going to associate vacuuming with that's how I got to make money. So instead, maybe you try out the philosophy of I will pay you to read. I will pay you to go look up a significant time in history when this event happened. And because you want to foster big thinking. You want to foster creativeness. You want to foster innovation and attach reward there. Because what does that force the brain to do? It forces your brain to associate money with, wow, like big ideas can really be created and I could be compensated for that. And so maybe think of it like that instead of thinking of allowance. 
Um, and if you are going to go the allowance route, there's nothing wrong with it, but maybe foster that in a way of you don't get physical money because we can also teach them that our dollar is losing value, right? It's not as valuable as we think it is. And so maybe do it in crypto and teach them along the way to understand why this is happening. Um, teach them that, hey, if you do all these uh, uh, chores the whole month, at the end of the month, you're going to get to own a piece of Amazon. I want you to think about this because let's look up right now the price of, let's let's use Amazon as the example, okay? And I, I'm just doing this so you guys can foster different thinking. So let me pull this up so I won't lie to you. I can give you the exact number. All right, so a share of Amazon right now is $115.66, okay? So first things first, I'm not your financial advisor. Anything I say is for financial education purposes only, okay? But what's happening in the world right now, we probably won't ever see it this way again. Um, and so you guys, like a share of Amazon, $115 is insane, it's insane. So crazy. Like, it's pretty good. <laughs> like, the market is legit on sale, okay? Like, it's on sale. So anyway, um, you can look at that. You could look at Tesla. You could look at, you know, Procter & Gamble, whatever, whatever stock you want to look at. But what about if you change the thinking behind that so you can change the association of the reward to a more long-term mindset that says, you know what? If you do all of your chores this month, we're going to keep a tally on this chart. You're going to get to own a piece of Amazon at the end of this month. How cool is it for a 15-year-old, 16-year-old to own a share in one of the biggest companies or Tesla? And so maybe we foster a better money mindset that way instead of paying them to do things that as adults they're going to have to do for themselves. Does that make sense? Like you're going to have to wash your dishes until you level your life up and maybe get outsourced that. But those are like basic life skills. Vacuuming, you should probably know how to push a vacuum. I'm not going to pay you to do that. And so just, but again, to each their own, parents are always going to do what they feel is the right thing, the philosophy that they have, and that's totally okay, but it's just a shift in thinking. So, okay, I see when I said who went to college, I did, I did too. <laughs> I went by the college. You are so funny, girl. Um, 24,000. Okay. That's actually not that bad for real. I know it probably seems like a lot because it is still, um, my dad paid for my college. Girl, that is amazing and a blessing. Okay, so full transparency. A lot of you guys know my journey. I went to really expensive schools. Like, just to give you an idea, I could have went to Penn State for a full ride in education. I was going to be an elementary school teacher, you guys. I know, shocking. Can you guys picture me as an elementary school teacher? Do I got the look? <laughs> but no, seriously, I was going to be an elementary school teacher. Um, I double majored in special education, but then I decided I don't want to go to Penn State anymore. So I made really stupid decisions and I moved all the way to Indiana. OK, and so when I got here, I still pursued the same degree for a while. Education. Um, I taught second grade math at Holy Cross Elementary School. If you're in Indianapolis, you know, it's a Catholic school. 
I know Francis was at a Catholic school. That's all we got to say. Okay. Um, and then from there, I actually transferred to a private university. Y'all, I was like the most confused college student ever, but lo and behold, I find out, I found out it wasn't only me. I wasn't the only one confused figuring out what should I really major in? Like, so funny story, not so funny, but I was encouraged, go to school for something you always have a job in, right? So I'll never forget when I was in New York following a dud before I even went to Penn State in Pennsylvania, I followed a dud to New York, just ghetto, don't do it, zero out of five stars, do not recommend, okay? Sometimes we're praying to God, not realizing he's trying to deliver us because it's not the right thing for us. You'll thank him later. So now I thank him because back then I used to try to be like, God, I just this is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. And God is like, if you see what I saw, girl, sit down. So anyway, fast forward the story. I was convinced that, oh, you know, I need to go to school for something that I could get a job in healthcare. Wow. I'm going to go be a nurse. Y'all, I took one semester. My very first, first, first semester ever in college was healthcare related. And I about passed the hell out when they told me that blood might squirt out of the thing and I would have to like be there and it could possibly get on me. And then I was in anatomy and physiology and they told me if I don't get an A in this class, I have to retake it because it's a competitive program. And then they were talking about all these body parts that I can't even pronounce like medical stuff. And I was like, you know what? This is not for me. Whose desk can I be at? Because this is not for me. I don't care what they say. Okay. This is not for me. So that was my one semester of healthcare, just to give you guys a funny idea. And I was just like, no, I'm not, mm -mm, I can't do it. I don't want no bleeding. I'm not looking at nobody's infected pimples. I'm not looking at your um, cut up ear because somebody went Mike Tyson on you. Like it's, she's not me. Don't call Francis. Cause I'm probably going to vomit and walk out. Sorry. Uh, it's not for me. And so I want you to know, because a lot of us were convinced to go do things that other people wanted us to do and not what you really wanted to do. So what I really wanted to do was teach. I feel like that is part of my gift. I'm still honing in on what that looks like. Hopefully I'm giving you some value because I'm working on my gift right now. But I felt like part of my gift was to teach. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to go be an elementary school teacher because like kids, how, how hard can they be? Worked at a daycare in high school, all the things. Girl, I don't want to see no syringes, no nothing. Mm -mm, I'm good off of that. So fast forward, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be an elementary school teacher. This is going to be great. I love kids. At the time, I loved kids, but I didn't want kids. And so I was like, I'm going to go be a teacher. So it was good and gravy, you guys. It was awesome. Then I got into the real world and I started having real bills. And then I realized, like, you really have to want to be and you have to be called to be an elementary school teacher. And then I was majoring in special education. So when I got put in the schools and they were like throwing chairs, I was just like, fix it, Jesus. I don't think I'm made. I'm made to teach, but I don't know if it not in this capacity. So in between all of that, I switched to, I don't know who gave me this brilliant idea, but I switched to a private college in Indiana. Mind you, I was an out-of-state student. Nobody taught me that like it was going to cost double the amount because I was coming from out of state. So not only was the school double the price, I went there for a year. And in that year, I accumulated more debt than like the college time that I already had done. And I'm like, dang, that was stupid. I can't stay here. I'll be in like 
hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt by the time I'm done. It was like 27,000. Okay. So a whole year was almost 50,000, just one year. And so I had to reevaluate that year at that private school, like, hold up. Do you really want to be a teacher? And then at the time I started working in banking. And when I realized that my banker friends were making more money than most teachers, I was like, what in the hell? This is the wrong career, Francis. So long story short, I, I feel like I'm not wasted, but for two years, I just kind of, I was going to be a teacher. I could have been finished like a year. I could have really just been like a teacher for real in the classrooms. But I was just like, I can't see myself going to school two more years, a year and a half at 50,000 a year to come out making 38,000, 42,000 as a banker going through college, even at the basic level where I started at first in the bank, I was making more money than most teachers. And I was just like, how does this make sense? It didn't make sense to me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to switch my majors to something business related because this is not it. And so I finished out my degree through Purdue School of Engineering and Technology, which is, which is also not a cheap school. And so long story short, and I'll be real with you guys, I was that kid that I came to Indiana with just a suitcase, okay? A suitcase and a dream coming from the hood, okay? My mom gave me the best possible life she could. She moved me out the hood for high school to Pennsylvania, but I was still exposed to the hood. Let's be real. And so when I came to Indianapolis, I came here with a suitcase and a dream. Like Leanna, who's on here, knows. I met her when I was working retail. And I, I've always been ambitious. I've never had a problem working because they taught me work for your money. But when I started realizing, like, hold up, my degree, if I would have stood at that school, that degree is almost $200,000. $50,000 a year at four years, that's two hundred grand. So... After a year at that school, I was like, oh, no, 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 baby. I got to change my major. I got to go to a different school. So in the meantime of leaving the private school and figuring out what school I wanted to finish at, I went to community college, which I think is an amazing option for people that we don't talk about enough. So fast forward all this crap. I ended up finishing my degree with basically... 89,000, let's just call it $90,000 in student loan debt. I know. And I did get my degree from one of the best schools in Indiana, but at the end of the day, nobody cared about that during a global pandemic. And so thank you, God, I'm not in the 80,000s anymore because I've been hella disciplined. But it, it's, it's most children's truth. They're not taught about college. They're not taught how to go debt free. They're not taught, girl, if you were getting a free ride, why didn't you take it? Just because I just want to follow my heart, girl. And so in this, in this part of saving for college that she stresses is that her kid's option is a debt free education. And she says, most people... Like most people are getting into debt to go to college. So she talks about how in 2012, for the first time, we hit over a trillion dollars in, in outstanding student loan debt. That's a lot of money, y'all. And then when you think about how many people work in jobs that they don't 
like their degree doesn't even apply. And so I'm not discouraging higher education. I have several degrees. But I am saying like the world that we live in today is not what it used to be. And so you have to really evaluate one, am I getting prepared for my kids to go if they decide they want higher education? But two, what's the benefit of going if I do? And so most, the world has instilled in us, oh, college is a good investment. That's why you hear so many people so hesitant to take an e-commerce course or to take a billing course, a coding course, but they'll go sign up for a five-year degree that they don't even know what they want to do with it. They'll go sign up for a four-year liberal arts degree. Girl, what liberal art you going to get a job in? No shade, but let's be real. It's 2022. You got TikTokers being liberal on TikTok making millions of dollars. And you want to go get a liberal arts degree. For what? And if someone can't break down how that degree is going to help better position them, they don't have no business going to get that degree. And not enough people are bold enough to tell our young people this. And it's not to kill their dream. But in 2022, going into 2023, we're talking about innovation, technology, computers, and automation that are replacing people. What you going to go get a liberal arts degree for that you can't learn in a coaching course? You could take a $5,000 coaching course and become a better speaker than a four-year liberal arts degree will prepare you for. And I know because morning mentorship calls for two years have made me a better speaker than the leadership courses that I took at Purdue. I'm just keeping it real. Don't shoot the messenger today. But we're taught that, oh, your degree is good debt. Is it really? When I worked at Liberty Mutual, for example, my friend Sarah, I love her to death. So Sarah, if you hear the replay, girl, you already know the vibes. But Sarah's degree is in zoology, but she was a claims adjuster. So how did your degree about how to properly pet a pet? <laughs> how did that work out? It didn't because now you're here struggling to make your student loan payments. So they need to teach us the real real about student loans. Can we agree? And so every parent knows that college is extremely high, yet we don't prepare. We don't save anything. And I want to talk to parents online because if we want to give our kids an option to choose, right? Like I know for our house, we're not going to tell you that you have to go to college. And we're also going to tell you, not going to tell you that you can't go, but we are going to teach you, right? So you can make an educated decision. Because honestly, if they don't even understand money, they don't have any business taking out student loans that they're going to be tied to for years and years to come for a degree they may not even use. And so the biggest thing that she's trying to convey here is most people don't even prepare enough to buy their kids books for one semester. And so she's like, you know, kids have a sense of entitlement and privilege. And they'll say things like, I'll die if I can't go to this school, mom, please. I really want to go to OS, OSU, Ohio State, right? And as teenagers, they, they want to be overly dramatic. You know the vibes. They might fall into peer pressure because their friend's saying, well, my mom's paying for me to go to Yale. Where are you going, you bum? Like, 
Girl, bye. First of all, mean girls just are nasty on the inside. Teach your daughter that. <laughs> but they might fall into some peer pressure and they want to put that pressure on you. And so as a parent, we have to be thinking in the future, not thinking to set them up to go to a $100,000 school, but prepare them with money sense. You prepare yourself in savings and investments, in understanding how you can teach them about interest, teach them what a promissory note is before a college recruiter shoves it down their throat. And so... There's so much pressure to go to the biggest name of the school. And I went to Yale and Harvard and Howard and all the, the schools. Even me, I went to Purdue, but it's like, I didn't want to tell people I went to Purdue when I got laid off during the pandemic because it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I went to jail or Yale during the pandemic, they still laid me off. And so you want to understand that we need to teach them some things. You guys are going to emulate what we teach them. And so two big rules that she gives her kids is you can apply to any college that you like. We want them to explore their options. But you cannot go to a college if you or we have to borrow money. And so what does that mean? As a parent, you have to prepare. And studies show that most people, most people don't even realize how much they had even borrowed. So I'm here to tell you, be the one to first teach your child before a recruiter who's only getting paid to go out and recruit shoves it down their throat with no proper understanding. I'm not saying all recruiters are like that, but they have one mission, increase our admissions. How do we do that? That's it. They don't care about your individual child's best interest. They're just another number on the admissions report they need to submit. And so we need to get better at planning and trust me, most people, when you go back and ask them, and even I will say, if I knew what I know now, I would have done things different. So if we know that, we got we to gotta teach our kids different. And so there's a website that she gives that's actually a really good resource. And I want to go ahead and share my screen really quick. But before I share, she goes on to this example that was actually really funny to me, but really true, where... She often, when she does talks to large groups, she asks them, okay, if, if everyone that they work with went to the best schools or the, the most prestigious schools or community college, um, she asked them that, like, who knows people that work here that went to the priciest school or to community college or to a state school? And almost everyone puts their hand up. And then she asked this one simple question, where do you all work? And they all start laughing. Because it doesn't matter what school they went to, they're all still working here, still capped at their income, still having a boss that can decide how much they make. So teach your babies that it do, it's not all about the name of the school. Don't take so much pride in that that you don't take enough pride in teaching them about being debt free and not owing any man any dollar. And so I just thought that that was an interesting example because oftentimes most people go to these high priced schools to only end up in average paying jobs. It's a very small percentage of people that go to very prestigious universities to make those um, high profile, high level salaries. And even when they do reach that, they've been in the workforce for 15, 18, 25 years to even try to make 100000 
but most of their degrees after interest exceed 100,000. And so moving along, you guys, one way that she recommends saving is a 529. Again, I am not a financial advisor. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's a great way or not a great way. I'm not a big fan for a couple of different reasons and mainly because it's for when you use it for qualifying educational costs. And if you withdraw the money and it's not used for that, you're liable to even more taxation. And so just be very mindful with 529. Some other strategies that you guys can look into if your kids are young enough right now still, um, and even teenagers, it might not be too late, is an indexed life insurance policy. I won't go too deep into that, but it takes a good agent to make sure they structure a good policy for you. So that could be another strategy where you can be able to loan money out of that insurance policy um, with no, uh, where you don't have to, oh my gosh, what is the word that I'm looking for? With an IUL, uh, you don't have to pay taxes on that money because it's a loan. And so that could be a potential strategy. You can also look into different investments, make sure that your portfolio is well-rounded um, because the goal is to send them off of your interest, right? So that's just, I don't agree necessarily with 529, it's just my opinion. But then again, if you look into a 529 and you think it's a good idea and you assess your risk properly, then go right ahead, right? So she says, don't pay the price of procrastination. Whatever you can save to help with college expenses, do it now. Do it for their future. Not for you and what you say you can and can't do. You already had them. It's too late. You can't turn back now. And so just don't procrastinate because the older they get, the less, the less strategy you can try to implement. Like I can tell you for sure with life insurance, the sooner the better always. Always. Right now, if your children are young with life insurance policies, you get way better rates. They can accumulate way better gains. And so let's talk about some things that you want to teach them before they depart, before they fly the nest, and then I'll show you some resources. Number one is how to live below their means. This is not about teaching them scarcity. This is not about instilling fear in them. But instead, I am God's money manager. I am managing a billionaire last name. Teach them that, how to budget. Teach them that there's prosperity in budgeting. Teach them that every dollar has a per, per, a purpose and that you don't always have to make a purchase, right? Teach them boundaries. Teach them that if you don't give your money purpose, then eventually you'll end up with a lot of things that serve you nothing, right? Um, teach them how to save. Encourage them to save regularly. The discipline in that. Talk to them about the importance of giving, of tithing, of sowing into God's kingdom if those are that aligns with your beliefs. And teach them about that life happens fun. Because then if they do plan to go to college, guess what? They've already got some really good habits. So when they're doing that RA job or they're working on campus or they're creating stuff and selling online or they're building their e-commerce store, that they understand, hey, I have a life happens fund. So if there's an emergency and I can't reach my mom or my dad right away, guess what? I have this life happens fund. I could just transfer it out of that account really quick, go handle my business and then call them and tell them about how I handled the process and how they taught me. Doesn't that feel empowering as a parent looking to the future? 
Doesn't it feel empowering to think I'm going to teach them the right things so that when an emergency comes up, they're not panicking. They know I've done the right things. I got what we call a life happens fund. I'm going to transfer that money out. Mom is probably going to be a little mad because I messed up. But guess what? I'm going to be able to call her or him and tell them how I was able to handle this with the things that they taught me. Right. Because they're going to exercise based off of experience. So if you're always panicking, somebody needs to hear this because we got to step our shit up. Okay. Cancel the cuss word. I didn't cuss all the way. I'm working on myself. But as a parent, they're going to emulate experience. So if you're always panicking when there's an emergency, if you never have enough when there's an emergency, if you don't make it your business to create a life happens fund, they're going to emulate experience. So what happens when they have an emergency? What happens when they have a situation come up? They're going to emulate more times than not that experience. So if you better prepare, if you, when an emergency comes up, explain to them, okay, you guys, this was unexpected. We're going to have to not eat out for the rest of the month, but here's why. Mom has been preparing for emergencies like this because emergencies happen and we call it a life happens fund. What a good teaching moment. And granted, right, there's always like the monkey wrench in life where some of your kids after 18, they just choose to make their own decisions. And that just is what it is. And you're just going to pray about that and be the best parent you can be. But overall, they will emulate our experiences. So make sure that you are the one teaching them how to avoid that bad debt, how to leverage instead and and leverage the fact that, hey, what if I just took out debt to actually get something that will pay me like a property, right? Instead of just buying a house to say I bought a house because that's what all my friends do. No, teach them different. Teach them about better debt where, hey, this is actually going to be something I'm going to rent out to somebody. That rent is going to start paying for my rent and my car. Teach them principles like that. But first, that means you got to learn. So and she says, let your children go without sometimes. If you don't, you will create a really bad seed of entitlement, by the way. Like they don't have to get everything walking just because they saw it walking. And then the last piece is start with whatever you can spare. You guys start the saving, start the learning, start saving something so you can at least afford a book when they go to college, if they decide to. And then she talks about, we always talk about leaving an inheritance in terms of money, but we're also talking about leaving them an inheritance that can never run out. And that's good financial skill, good financial sense, knowledge that no one can ever take from them. So someone can take money from them if they're going to college, right? They'll easily take that money. But no one can take the knowledge that you instill in them about what is really compound interest. What is a promissory note? Is this good debt? Is it really? That knowledge, no one can take from them. So there's a testimony, day 11. I won't read through the whole thing, but Tamara is basically talking about the fast didn't solve her problems, but it brought her issues to light. And basically, it's the awareness piece. How, man, there's things that I got to work on. There's areas that I got to improve on. And this is not a plaything. When it comes to our kids, a lot of us are playing life like this is a practice baseball game, but it's really the real thing. And so just be mindful of that. I'm going to give you guys two resources really quick before we close out. If you are looking to learn more about leaving legacy when it comes to finances for your kids, I have two recommendations for books that can change the game for you if you take the time to go through them. I'm not saying you got to read them today or tomorrow, but they're really, really helpful. Financial adulting, and I'll, uh, the light is so bright. I'll try to post these in the 
under the video, financial adulting. And then we have entitlement abolition. This is going to talk to you about legacy in a way that I'm trying to angle this so you guys can see it, but I'll post it below. Um, entitlement abolition will teach you about legacy in a way you've probably never heard it. And it's, it's a crazy good read. So let me show you this website and then we're done for tonight because this is the website that she actually talks about in, in her, uh, in day 11. So she talks about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And this is about working with students, young consumers. There's tons of resources on here. So teaching them about how to prepare, like, or even for you, learning about paying for college, visiting student loan portal, repaying student loan debt. What does that look like? Um, action guides, manage your college money, choosing a loan that's right for you. Don't choose a loan that's right for you. Instead, go to manage your college money. Um, learning about just managing money. So there's so many different resources here that you can utilize that she talks about. So I will drop this in the um, in the chat box. So hang on. Uh, can I do that? No, I'm going to have to do it through here. So hold on one second, you guys. I'm going to just have to post it here. Okay. So this is day 11. Let me put this in the chat. So that's one resource. Okay. The next resource that I want to show you guys is okay, right here. So the next resource is let's look at how much student loan debt we really have, y'all. This is as of September 19, 2022. So last month, the federal student loan portfolio currently totals more than 1.6 trillion owed by about 43 million borrowers. That's crazy. And what's even crazier is if you go to usdebtclock.org, our total debt for, for the entire nation, I'm going to zoom this in, is 31 trillion over 31 trillion right so i want i want to just put this in perspective real quick since the world wants to teach us that automatically by default a college degree is an is a good investment it's good debt our national debt is over 31 trillion dollars what does that tell you if 1.6 trillion more than 1.6 trillion alone is student loan debt we have a huge problem so Last resource is if you want to look at this college savings calculator, I will um, drop this one in the chat as well for you guys. But I'm going to use just like a random example so you guys can see this and then we'll close this out. I'll open it up one minute for questions. But I wanted to throw that calculator in the comments, too, in case even if it's for kids that are in your life, nieces, nephews, teach them something, you guys. So it's not to discourage them from going to college, but instead to be more wise. And so let's just say that your kid is currently 15, okay? And you plan to fund 100% of their college. Let's say they're going to go to a public two-year college. So maybe let's say like a community college possibly. Um, and you currently have, let's say you only have $1,000 so far, which is still a big deal in savings. So let's calculate it. So here are the numbers. <laughs> this is insane, y'all. So 
when your when your first child goes to a public two-year college, listen to this, and this is like numbers after interest and different things, and this may not be to the T, but college in 2023, their total estimated tuition is going to be over $170,000 if they're 15 now. This is crazy. College should not cost this much, but it does. And I know people right now that have over $150,000 of student loan debt. So just be mindful, you guys. Um, as a parent, you're always going to do what you think is the best thing, obviously. But the better educated you get, the more you exercise, um, that better financial living and better financial skills, they will be able to do the same. So thank you for being here with day 11. There's Mindset Money and More is going to be a weekly podcast where I'll be sharing tips, strategies, interviewing amazing guests from all around the world that are amazing at what they do, and also be sending you out tips personally to help you along your journey. Because after all, any area that you want to experience increase in is going to require you working on your mindset. My hope is to really bring my passion and my expertise, especially when it comes to financial services and helping others develop so that I can really empower, educate, and help lead others into their next level of increase. Follow me on social media at Mindset Money and More or at www.mindsetmoneymore.com and feel free to subscribe, rate, and comment on all podcast apps.